From Aviva Brands, this is Express, the podcast for brands. I'm your host, Dr. David Kippen, CEO and Chief Strategist at Aviva. Last week, you finally met Kate, our Head of Insight, and Ammo, our Head of Creative. This week, Kate's going solo to talk about eight easy ways to measure the work you've done. So this episode is doing two things. It's the last episode of Express focused on the two big stages in the life of the brand. Expression, where you figure out what your brand's all about, which we talked about in episodes one to four, and impression, where you get the word out into the marketplace. That was the topic of episodes five to eight. Now, two months, eight episodes, that obviously won't cover everything in advertising. So I'll be back at the end of the episode to give you a preview of what to expect next week and beyond. Over to you, Kate. Thanks, David. Today, we're going to talk about measuring the impact your brand is having. And we're going to look at eight low-faff metrics to do that. For those of you who've been following the Aviva blogs over the last weeks and months, let's take stock of where we are in this process. So far, you've established the evidence base for your brand. You've developed a brand playbook. And your creative geniuses have transformed the brand concept into everything that your media plan and your strategy need to win the hearts and minds of your target audiences. But how do you know if it's working? Today, we're going to look at some of the lowest fat ways to measure the impact of your brand initiative. We'll also look at some basic approaches to assessing the return on your investment and how all this fits in with our old friend, the sales funnel. Our first stop will be choosing your targets and setting your benchmarks. But before we get started, we need to do some soul searching. Who are you and what are you looking for? Are you a fast-growing SaaS startup looking to increase conversations? Or maybe you're a B2B provider of bespoke solutions looking to reach a highly specific audience. Or maybe you've got a local, largely offline business, like our favorite neighborhood lunch spot here in Edinburgh, the fabulous Archipelago Bakery. Depending on who you are, you'll have different measures of success for your brand investments and different metrics. If you are friends at the bakery, your primary aim might be raising awareness and generating website hits and social media chatter especially in the Edinburgh area and in the British gourmet scene. If you're a post-startup SaaS company, like our San Francisco neighbors and communication enablers, Slack, you'll be focusing more on online sales conversion and user retention rates. Meanwhile, our B2B provider of bespoke solutions will be interested not so much in website volume, but in signs of interest from specific audiences. The rest of the sales process will proceed offline. Whoever you are, it's important to spell out what victory means to you before you get started and translate that into the right metrics for you. You'll also want to take stock and establish your benchmarks so you can accurately track and celebrate your growing brand impact. Let's look at return on investments, and we're going to do my condensed classics version. Our first metric is cost per lead, and this is a calculation you can borrow from sales. You calculate the cost per lead against the lead to close ratio, and then compare that with the average client project value. Another metric, our second, is cost per acquisition. You calculate this by taking the brand investment costs that you've had in a defined period of time and dividing that by the new signed customers that were generated during that same period. Our third metric for return on investment is conversion to sale. For web-based acquisitions in particular, You can quantify the number of conversions to sales over the total volume of website traffic. All three of these approaches are great as a rule of thumb, but they do have their shortcomings. 
For one, there is a potential attribution error. If acquisition of a new customer or user or hire or whatever you're actually looking to measure here, if it's instantaneous, or at least if it can be completed within exactly the same period of time as the marketing effort, then, okay, you've got little doubt that the acquisition is a product of the investment. But for many of us outside the consumer packaged goods space, the sales conversion process can be quite lengthy and you may be reaping the rewards of a marketing investment years after the event. In short, the equations that we've just talked about, they're robust, but their imprecision can lead to inaccurate conclusions, and you might be better off taking some smaller steps first. To figure out what the right steps for you are, we suggest looking at each of the stages of the sales funnel. And for reference, those stages are awareness, interest, decision conversion rate, and action. Now, to describe that more visually, that means we're looking at an inverted triangle and we have awareness at the top, at the widest part of the triangle, followed by interest at the next rung down, the narrower bit, then getting even narrower, the decision phase, and then at the bottom of the triangle is the action phase. Now let's talk about some metrics for measuring awareness and interest. Let's think about our bakery again, and you'll be glad to do that too once you've had the cake there. Let's assume they've invested in digital and social marketing. This brings us to our fourth metric, target acquisition. Your first stop for target acquisition will be in Google Analytics uh, for your website. How's your site's volume of visitors and how does it break down by channel? The acquisition section of your Google Analytics page shows where your visitors are coming from. Are they arriving directly from a Google search? Perhaps for a gluten-free vegan bounty bar? Those people are your organic visitors. Or do you have referral visitors, visitors coming to your site by means of a link somewhere else, like a great write-up on a restaurant review site like The List? Are they direct visitors? That's to say, visitors who navigate straight to your site? And how many of them are social visitors, visitors who are popping over after seeing you on Facebook, seeing your pictures on Instagram, and so forth? Now for your social media metrics. And let me thank our digital insight manager, Paulina Babitsova, for her help with this. You can gather these insights on each individual platform. On Facebook, there are insights, there's Twitter analytic and LinkedIn insights. Or you can do a one-stop shop and use a platform like Hootsuite. That's what we use at Aviva. Either way, you'll gather metrics that support both the awareness stage and the interest stage of the sales funnel. Some of the awareness metrics are the number of visitors to your page, the number of views, your reach, which means how many individuals have seen your posts, your impressions, which means the number of times that a post has appeared on a feed. So that's to say sometimes it appears multiple times for a single user. So your impressions may actually be higher than your views. And then there's engagement, which is to say how many clicks or comments or shares how many documented reactions has your content got? Next, we turn to the interest metrics. These are metrics that are useful for all companies that are using social media as part of their brand strategy. And there are companies that are not doing that even today. Some people argue that these social media metrics are vanity metrics, that it's vanity information that doesn't actually lead to much action, but we disagree. These are primary measures of awareness of your brands, and they're the first expression of interest. 
The engagement measure, in particular, indicates that certain audience members are continuing along the sales cycle. Knowing where conversations about your brand are taking place means knowing how to tweak your media strategy to amplify the effect of your spend. Now, all this assumes that you've got a selective social media strategy in place and that you're actively managing your channels. And I'm going to say it one more time that the intern is not a social media strategy. There, I've said it. So how else can we measure interest? Turning back to your website, we can look at a few more metrics. These include site activity, measuring the amount of time visitors spend on your site, the number of pages they view, and the rate of return to your site. We can also move on to decision and action metrics. The decision elements of the sales funnel are most easily measured online for digital projects. Next, we move on to metric number seven, the conversion rate. We can calculate your conversion rate by taking the number of conversions, which is to say the number of visitors to your site who have turned into paid users, and dividing that by the total number of visitors at a given time. Or you can take the slightly more front-loaded approach and track specific users over a given time if you're tracking IP addresses. And then you can determine how many visits to your site the average user is taking before conversion, if any. Now that's a bit of faffing, admittedly, but it does pay back in richer and more targeted data. Action metrics will look more closely at those sales conversions. And now for metric eight of eight, we have cost per lead. Although calculating your cost per lead actually takes us back to our first metric, the cost of acquisition, which is all to re-emphasize our earlier point, the importance of benchmarking. And that's where I'm going to stop eight metrics out of eight, and I'll hand it back to you, David. Thanks again. Thanks, Kate. As always, you can find this as a blog post at avivabrands.com. That's E-V-V-I-V-A, then the word brands.com. Click on blog and look for eight LOFAF metrics. Okay, so I mentioned earlier that this episode concludes the big overview of expression and impression, but honestly, we've just scratched the surface. So moving forward, we're going to look more closely at a bunch of the elements we've touched on over the past couple of months. Some of these will be big picture ideas, like what makes a great creative brief? Not what is it, but really, what does it say that makes it great? What makes a great brand? What makes a great ad? Others are going to be more focused. For example, we do a lot of employer branding, and we spend a lot of time doing international research. So we'll look at some basics, like what's an employer brand, and we'll also explore some of the mysteries of human factors that apply to all brands everywhere, like from the inside, how does an organization mobilize 100,000 people to get behind a brand idea? And on the outside, what impact does that have, and what difference does it make? How do you adjust a brand's promise and positioning to make it culturally relevant? And as I promised back in episode one, we'll start to take Express on the road. In fact, you can hear a little bit of that today and here and now. I'm not in the sound booth this week. I'm in our San Francisco office, and it's one of the reasons that you won't find a bunch of background music and roll in and roll out on this. It really is a mobile podcast. Now, the other thing we'll start talking about is agency life. Agency people, that is, people who love this work and wouldn't want to do anything else, say it's the best job in the world except for the clients. Clients say the creative part of working with creative agencies is the highlight of their jobs, but the rest of it 
is a total nightmare. What if they're both right? Maybe that's why internal agencies, that is, agencies in client organizations, don't ever seem to produce great work. Do the things that make most companies great, and you'll kill almost any agency I know. But on the other hand, as I've been saying in almost every episode, brands exist to make people take action. So there's a very specific point at which agencies and clients see things exactly the same way. And probably a lot gets lost in translation. So now and again, when we learn something useful, we'll turn the lens on ourselves. And again, we want this to be useful to you. So whether you love it or hate it, please give us the gift of feedback. Send an email to express at avivabrands.com. That's E-V-V-I-V-A, then the word brands.com. We'd love to hear from you. And thanks for listening to Express. We'll be back next week.